You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Our Bible reading today comes from 2 Peter chapter 2, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, revelling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed, an accursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth boastful, empty words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to to whatever has mastered them. 
If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So next Saturday is our federal election, and I don't know about you, but I just can't wait until it's here, because uh, then it'll be done and dusted. <laughs> Uh, Look, again, it's very important that we play our part as good citizens and we make wise choices and prayerful choices about who we vote for. But I find the lead up to elections very difficult with all of the political point scoring and trying to work out what is actually true. There's so much misinformation, accusations uh, and promises that are made, how do you sift through it and find out what is really true? How do you know who to believe? Which promises are true and will be kept? What information is accurate? Uh, What accusations are completely unfounded and which ones should we take very seriously and heed as warnings? See, the truth matters, but often it's hard to determine what the truth actually is. And the same is true when we try and find the truth about God. What is the truth about God? How do we know uh, what is real, what God is like, how we can have a relationship with God, and what things that are said about God are untrue and misleading and taking us away from the truth? What behaviours are good and godly and are aligned with who God is and how he would have us live, and what things are actually out of step with the way that God would have us live our lives. The truth matters, but often it can be hard to work out that truth about God and how we should live for him. Well, this chapter from 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, speaks about this. Let me say up front that this is a very complicated passage. Uh, There are things in here that are hard to understand, and there are things in here which are hard to swallow, Uh, speaking about judgment and destruction and punishment might actually grate against us and offend us. Now, I'm not going to unpack everything in this passage in this talk. Uh, I'm going to focus on some particular broad points that I think are clear in this passage. The key thoughts are described in verses 1 to 9, and we're going to focus most of our attention there. But then we'll go out from here, drawing in some of the other parts which expand on the broad point being made at the start of the passage. So in summary, a simple summary of this passage is that it warns us against false teachers. False teachers who say wrong things about God, but who also live in a way which is ungodly. And then we also have a promise that God will judge these false teachers. So I'd love you to grab a Bible, um, either pull it up on a phone or grab a Bible there um, as we look at it together. Verse 1 starts like this. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. 
Peter's here bouncing straight out of what he's just been saying in chapter 1 and which Andy spoke about uh, last week. Peter and the other apostles, the first followers of Jesus, were eyewitnesses to the truth about Jesus. Uh, They saw Jesus, they heard Jesus, and they testified to the truth of what they had learned from him. And also the prophets of the Old Testament were led by the Holy Spirit. They spoke the truth from God. It was written down in the Bible for us, so we know it's utterly trustworthy. But not everyone who claimed to be a prophet in the Old Testament was a true prophet. There were false prophets as well. And Peter says, just like that happened in the past, there were false prophets as well as true prophets, so there will be false teachers as well as true teachers now. We shouldn't be surprised when we find people saying things about God that are simply not true. Verse 1 goes on. They'll secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Peter kind of phrases that this will happen in the future, but it's clear as we go on in the passage that some of this is happening in the present as well. And the trouble here in our passage, this is one of the difficulties, is we don't know exactly what these false teachers are saying. We get hints through the passage. Um, There's some weird stuff later on about blaspheming celestial beings speaking about angels. And often people will try and reconstruct what maybe these false teachers were saying, but at the end of the day, no one really knows. And it's, it's best not to get too bogged down in the specifics and try and reconstruct what might have been said. It's better to stick to what we do know, what Peter explicitly says. We know, for example, that this is destructive. He calls it destructive heresy. So the things that they're teaching hurt people, lead people away from God, lead people in the wrong direction. And it does it because it's heresy, which means it takes people away from the orthodox or the true teaching that has come from Jesus and from his apostles. It's also destructive, Peter says, because it denies the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's a reference to Jesus. Uh, Peter says that this teaching, this false teaching, denies Jesus. Jesus, who is the boss, the sovereign Lord, and Jesus, who saved us by his life, death, and resurrection. Uh, He bought us. He bought us at a great price. So here's the heart of false teaching right here. You see, there's things that we can disagree on, And that's okay. You know, what's the best way to structure the governance of the church? Should we baptize babies or only adults? Um, They're important topics and people teach and believe different things about them. And at the end of the day, some of us are right and some of us are wrong. (laughs) We just don't know uh, at the uh, exactly who. But this is deeper than that. The sort of problematic false teaching that Peter is most concerned about actually relates to Jesus himself. If you start teaching different things about Jesus, oh, he was just a a wise, 
prophet, a wise teacher, but he wasn't actually God in human flesh. Or you say things like, Jesus never actually rose from the dead. It was just uh, an enlightenment in the minds of his disciples that he was alive in a new way. Or you say, Jesus' death didn't actually deal with our sins in any way. He was just an example of love and sacrifice to us to model ourselves on. Then that is destructive because it knocks out the very foundation of Christian belief. And you end up with a Jesus who cannot really save us and who isn't actually sovereign and Lord. Uh, If you're doing a renovation, we did a renovation here recently at church. One of the first things that you need to do is you need to look at the plans and work out which walls are actually structurally very important and which ones are more cosmetic and can be changed and adapted and even knocked down uh, without any problems at all. You see, if you just decide I'm going to knock out this wall and it's a load-bearing wall, then the ceiling collapses. In fact, the whole place might fall down. Friends, Jesus is a load-bearing wall. If you knock out truths about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, then the whole of Christianity collapses. Wrong teaching about Jesus is ultimately destructive and it cannot help people at all. So in verse 17 of our passage, the false teachers are described as springs without water. If you're wandering through the desert, dying of thirst, and you come across what looks like a spring, but there's no water there at all, it doesn't help you. You end up dying of thirst. And false teaching does the same. It might have the veneer of being Christian, But if it's emptied of the living water, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, then we get left thirsty and dying. I think of a friend of mine uh, that I was in youth group with years ago who was at the time an enthusiastic and committed Christian, but who got caught up in a church where the teaching about Jesus reduced his significance, watered down who Jesus was, They emphasised his love and his mercy, which are true, but they downplayed his uniqueness and his divinity. And it slowly eroded faith in my friend in Jesus as the true Lord and the only way to God. It was slow and it was subtle, but it was ultimately destructive. So the challenge for us is to check and to double check that what we're being taught is the truth to test what we're hearing, what we're learning against the Bible. Um, We're very keen here at St. John's, if you're here at an in-person service, we put Bibles in the pews so that people can look at what we're teaching. And we encourage you as you're watching online to have a Bible open in front of you and to check that what we're saying matches with what you're reading. Uh, nothing excites us more than after giving a talk, someone contacts us and says, I'm not sure about how what you're saying there matches up with what's said here, or what about this bit? How does that work in? Showing that people are genuinely wrestling with the Bible and not just taking what is taught, but testing it against the scriptures. 
when we're in our life groups or in other Christian gatherings, we need to do the same. We need to have the Bible open in front of us and we always need to be testing what we're learning to make sure it is the truth about God. Peter goes on to say that we shouldn't just listen to what false teachers say to test them in that way, but we also need to look at their behaviour as well. Look at their actions and test their message against their behaviour. Uh, Jesus himself said, uh, you can know a, f- a tree by looking at its fruit, right? If the, if the fruit growing on the tree is bad, then maybe there's something wrong at the core of the tree itself. Here's how Peter puts it in verse 2. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. So the conduct of the false teachers betrays them. The way they live is not consistent with the truth of Jesus and their lifestyle undermines the witness to Jesus. Uh, Later on in the passage, we get more details of the types of things that are happening. Uh, This is the language that's used, reveling in pleasures, uh, eyes full of adultery. They never stop sinning. They're experts in greed. A few themes there, aren't there? The themes of sex and money, things that not only tripped people up back then, but still sadly do today. Uh, How many Christian leaders can you think of in recent times that have fallen prey to these exact two temptations, being driven by the desire to have uh, money, becoming greedy and even fleecing their congregations, uh, being driven by sexual desire and exploiting people for their own pleasure? Uh, These are things that are incredibly damaging They damage the individual who falls into these temptations. They damage the church community that they're part of. And they damage the witness ultimately to Jesus in the wider community by this corrupt behaviour. People say, uh, you Christians are no different to the rest. I'm reading a book at the moment uh, called One Blood, which is a book about the engagement between Christianity and Aboriginal uh, culture. It traces... Um, European settlement in this country and the engagement with uh, Aboriginal culture and people. Uh, And as Christian, inverted commas, European culture spread throughout Australia, what we see sadly is is greed, rampant greed, as, as pastoralists expanded their holdings and were prepared to kill Aboriginal people in order to get access to their land and water. We see sexual exploitation as Aboriginal women were were raped and captured and held as sexual slaves. And as as missionaries attempted to share the news of Jesus, you know, they were part of that culture doing these things and it undermined the actions of supposedly Christian people, undermined Christian witness. Uh, William Howitt speaks about colonial expansion of European nations in these terms. He says, For more than three centuries we have glanced back at them in their course, and everywhere they have had the word of God in their mouth and the deeds of darkness in their hands. What an awful indictment. The word of God coming out of the mouth 
but the deeds of darkness in their hands. How damaging it is to claim to be representing God, to be a teacher of the truth, and yet behave in a way that completely undermines the very words being spoken. You see, truth has to be lived as well as spoken. That's true for all of us. It's not just true for leaders and teachers. Each one of us, as we seek to be a witness to Jesus uh, at school, at work, in our families and in our neighbourhoods, need to know that people are watching us. People watch the way that we live and behave. They want to see whether what is coming out of our mouth as the word of God is is matched with uh, the deeds of goodness and of light in our hands. Now, of course, none of us are perfect. All of us are going to stuff up. We're all sinful. We all fall down. We all fail. Uh, That's true of me uh, as well, I'm sure, of you. But when we do fail, what we need to do is we need to model a willingness to say sorry to repent, to change our behaviour. Not to persist in willful disobedience to God. So it's helpful to distinguish here between um, teachers who might stuff up and make mistakes, say the wrong things and do the wrong things from time to time, and the sort of more sinister false teachers that Peter is describing here, people who exploit and abuse who almost arrogantly parade their sin before other people. They don't recognise their error, even when it's drawn to their attention and repent of it, but they seek to justify it instead. Here's what Peter says in verse 19. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves of whatever has mastered them. They claim that their sinful actions are part of their freedom and their liberation, but actually they're bound up in sin. They're caught up in it. Teachers, Peter says, need to be tested by their lives as well as their words. These are not two separate realms that can be pulled apart. And this is a big challenge for Christian leaders. Uh, We need your prayers and encouragement, praying that we would grow in godliness. And if you have Christian leaders who are undermining God's godly ethics in the scriptures, then we need to be very wary of trusting them as teachers. So here we have two key signs for false teachers. Listen to what they say. Is it true and in accordance with the Bible? And look at how they live. Are their lives marked by godliness? But the question remains... What will happen? What will happen to people who do this, these false teachers who cause this destruction? Will they just get away with it? Well, no, Peter says, God will judge false teachers, just like he did in the past. So in verses 4 to 9, Peter draws on a number of Old Testament examples to show that God did this with uh, false prophets and teachers in the past. He starts by speaking about angels who rebelled against God and says God is holding them for judgment. He speaks about the world at the time of Noah when God judged ungodly behaviour by sending a flood but graciously saved Noah and his family. And then he speaks about these cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we read about in the book of Genesis, which are destroyed because of their sin. But Lot 
is righteous, he follows God, and he's saved from these burning cities. And the punchline of all of these stories comes in verse 9. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. God will judge fairly. He will rescue those who trust in him and live godly lives for him. But he will punish evil and he will bring his judgment on those who reject him, who teach lies about him and who damage other people because of their behaviour and words. Now, I don't know how comfortable you feel about this idea of God being a judge. Uh, in my role as archdeacon in the, in the wider area here, uh, I do consultations with different churches as they're looking for a new senior minister. I ask the question, what sort of person are you looking for as your next minister? And in a recent consultation, one of the answers that came back from one person is, we don't want someone who is a fire and brimstone preacher. Fair enough. <laughs> we don't want people who are going to just constantly talk about God's judgment and never speak about God's love. Uh, we don't want people who try and promote obedience to God out of fear and guilt rather than thankfulness to God for his grace to us in Jesus. But at the same time, the reality of God's judgment does need to be spoken about. If we ignore it or dismiss it, then we're teaching falsely because the Bible speaks very clearly about it like in this passage. God is a God of love. And because of his love, he can't just let evil, abuse and injustice be left unpunished. A God who tolerates evil is not a loving God at all. Uh, returning to the example I used earlier about the genocide and abuse of Aboriginal people in our own country, there were godly Christian people at the time who tried to protect Aboriginal people from the slaughter, but they were defeated in their attempts by uh, the corruption of those in power. Um, judges who wouldn't punish those who were doing the wrong thing. But often these godly Christian people looked to the reality that God would judge at the end of time. So the missionary and Bishop Matthew Hale wrote these words. The questions of justice to Aboriginal people have hereafter to be tried again before a much higher and more impartial tribunal than any earthly judgment seat. You know, at the time, it just seemed like those with the power were able to do whatever they wanted to perpetrate evil and no one did anything. But Bishop Hale said, this won't last. There will be a judgment. God is loving and he will judge evil and bring what is right. Now that raises the whole question of timing. You know, why doesn't God act more quickly? Why doesn't God do it when there's a lot of bad things happening and have been happening all through the world and all through history? Well, that's, that's the question that next week's passage, 2 Peter chapter 3, really looks at the timing of God. It's a sobering topic to speak about God's judgment, but if we're committed to justice and we're committed to a God of love who cares 
for his creation, for the people that he's made, and particularly cares for the poor, the marginalized, and the weak, then we need to acknowledge that God will judge. God will bring justice. God will put things right that have actually been left uh, in a bad place. God won't let false teachers get away with just speaking lies about him and leading people astray. He won't let false teachers just carry on with their exploitative behaviour unpunished. And the reason for all of this, the reason that God does need to judge, is because the good news of Jesus is so good that spoiling it is a great crime. The good news of Jesus is that despite our sin, despite our rejection of God, God loves us so much that he sent his son into the world to live as one of us and to take our wrongdoing, our failings, our sin upon himself and deal with them completely as he died in our place on the cross, offering us complete forgiveness, triumphing over evil and over the guilt, the fear and the shame that bind us. The good news about Jesus is that he rose from the dead and offers us new life with God, life that goes on forever, uh, life that means that even death itself cannot separate us from God and from those who trust in him. It's a life filled with a hope-filled future of victory because Jesus has won. Who Jesus is and what Jesus has done is amazing good news, and it means that we experience grace and freedom in him. It's a great truth that needs to be shouted out, taught rightly, and lived out in practice. If you alter it, or if you change it, or if you reduce Jesus to something less, reduce the work that he's done so that it's no longer um, spoken of as effective to do things for us, then you leave people floundering and hopeless not to tell this truth, not to proclaim this truth, not to live this truth is a grave mistake. And so the warning here about false teaching is vital because the good news of Jesus is is so good that we've just got to get it right. Let's cling to this good news. Let's be open-eyed and discerning, testing the things that we hear to make sure they align with who Jesus is and what he's done. And let's live this truth, putting the godly life, the life that is modelled on Jesus into practice in our own lives so that people can see it as well as hear it. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.